Our scripture today comes from the book of Isaiah. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it been not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely there are plants planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth, when he blows upon them and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them by name, because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. And those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Would you please pray with me? Lord of all, we give you thanks for this day. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and pleasing in your sight. Let us learn more about how your son Jesus lives, so that we may go and do likewise. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. There's a lot going on this week, isn't there? We've got Ash Wednesday and the start of the Lenten season. We have Valentine's Day, that celebration of all things love. Nothing like mixing the celebration of love with a reminder of our mortality, right? Well, in honor of this week's holiday, I wanted to tell you about one of the great loves of my life. It was actually a love that got away. We met in middle school, and I got to tell you, I was smitten. I was naive and young, but I could see a future. We spent all summer before my freshman year together. But you see, something changed in the fall. It seemed no matter how hard I tried, I was just sitting on the sidelines. No, literally, I was literally sitting on the sidelines because my great love that let me down was the game of football. Oh, did I forget to mention the Super Bowl was this week too? <laughs> Ask anyone who knew me in middle school, and they would tell you my dream was to be a football coach. I knew everything about the game of football. I loved football. I wanted to be the next Bill Snyder. But I slowly realized that in order to be a football coach, I was probably going to have to go play college football at least. And so doing the, to, in order to do that, I had to be good in high school. So the summer before my freshman year, I dedicated myself to the game of football. I was in the weight room at 6 a.m. every single day. I played offensive line, so I learned all the fundamentals of blocking. And when I found out I was going to be playing center, I practiced shotgun snaps in our front yard over and over and over and over again. I even went to K-State football camp and met Bill Snyder. It was really cool. I thought I was going to be set in the fall for sure for our freshman team, 
And maybe, maybe I'd even make the JV team. But none of that happened. Instead, I was the second string center on our freshman team. And it didn't seem to matter how hard I worked, how early I got there, how late I stayed, how much my teammates vouched for me. I just never got the start. When I asked the coach about it, he just said, sorry, Bowers, you're just not starting material. That hurt. I still tell you, that 15-year-old version of Bryce that's deep down in there still kind of is hurt and salty about it. Because I had this vision of how life was going to go. I had expectations. I poured my heart and my soul into something, and it just never worked out. Life was not going to be what I hoped it was going to be. I was heartbroken. It was painful. Now, I know that might seem a little dramatic, but we all experience pain, right? It might be something small and ultimately trivial, like not being able to make the starting center on our freshman football team. But sometimes pain can be more life-altering than that. We all experience it. Viruses duplicate, cells mutate, powers subjugate, planes fall out of the sky, people fall out of love, and families fall onto hard times. Money runs out, patience wears thin, and the line between life and death gets crossed. We lose the ones we love way too soon. Whatever pain you go through, pain seems to be part of the human existence. One of the struggles I think people go through is not being able to figure out what to do when they've been handed pain. Now that I have it, what do I do with this thing? I think that comes from a basic misunderstanding of what pain is. Same goes for grief, anger, all those kind of negative emotions we feel. It all kind of wraps up into one basic experience of life that we can name disorientation. Walter Brueggemann, one of the great theologians of our time, talks about these life cycles that humans can go through in his book, Preaching the Psalms. When life is good, we can call that orientation. We generally know how life is to go. It's predictable. We're happy about it. We count our blessings. We give thanks. And we generally, we generally have joy, delight, and, you know, happiness. But then, often in life, inevitably, something changes. Something happens. Again, we went through the list of possibilities, but something happens that changes how we perceive the world. Or maybe it's against how we thought the world was going to go. I thought this love was forever. I thought I was going to retire at this job. They've been there my entire life. How can they just now be gone? The things that orient our lives and make us feel safe, secured, valued, respected, loved, change, or sometimes even disappear. And it hurts. Life has suddenly become unpredictable or even, in fact, scary. We are disoriented. So what else are we supposed to do but feel sad, lost, hurt, angry? Like the psalmist writes in Psalm 13, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart? All day long you felt that, right? 
Our scripture today encapsulates this tension between despair and hope in the second half of the book of Isaiah. For by this time, Israel had been a place of disorientation for a long, long time. For you see, Israel was supposed to be the favored people of God, right? God's people brought out of Egypt to the promised land. God had promised that their ancestors would be numerous and their power would be great and that God would always be with them. Then corrupt kings came into power. Then the Assyrians came. Then the Babylonians. Their temple was destroyed. Their government was overthrown. Their people were scattered. Their culture was threatened. And their future was uncertain. And they were lost in a foreign land. The Jewish people were in a place of disorientation. It's no wonder that in verse 27, Isaiah asks, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? The Common English Bible translation reads their complaint as, My way is hidden from the Lord. My God ignores my predicament. Because it had to feel that way for them, right? God surely has left them. Look where they are in a strange and foreign land for almost 80 years. There is no hope. Their world has been shattered. God's people are in deep disorientation with little to no hope of reorientation. Of course, they are distressed. And do you know what Isaiah has the audacity to say? Don't you know? Haven't you heard? Wasn't it announced to you from the beginning? Haven't you understood since the earth was founded, God inhabits the earth's horizon? stretches out the sky like a curtain and spreads it out like a tent for dwelling. Look up at the sky and consider who created these. The one who brings out their attendants one by one, summoning each of them by name because God's great strength and mighty power, not one is missing. In other words, God is here. God is here. God is here and taking care of the inhabitants of the earth. God created the stars, the majestic world we see around us, and knows it, claims it, and names it. And that includes you, too. But it gets even better from there. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't grow tired or weary. His understanding is beyond human reach, giving power to the tired and reviving the exhausted. Youths will become tired and weary. Young men will certainly stumble. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will fly up on wings like eagles. They will run and not be tired. They will walk and not be weary. Not only does not God care for you, name you, claim you, but God will restore you. God will take your disorientation and reorient you if, if, you trust in God, find hope in God, find rest in God. Now, why is that the requirement? Why must we do that in order to be restored? Because when we do that, it makes God our orienting point, that which we orient our lives around. When we trust in God, hope in God, and God is everlasting is always there, always cares, and is always present in the midst of our pain. That, my friends, 
in a world of lots and lots of disorientation is something we can hang our hats on. It's something we can orient ourselves to. That, my friends, when the rubber hits the road, is someone we can rely on to lift us up and help us find our way again. In Susan Howatch's novel, Absolute Truths, Bishop Charles Ashworth is devastated after losing his wife. He runs into an old acquaintance who is surprised and yet relieved at the honesty shown by the bishop. His acquaintance says to him, God, isn't life bloody sometimes? Which Bishop Ashworth replies simply, yes. Are you just saying that to be nice to me? No. Oh, thank God. Lord, this is an odd conversation to be having with a bishop. Excuse me while I pinch myself to make sure I'm not dreaming. It's no dream. Good to meet someone else who has gone through hell lately. Isn't it wonderful? It makes all the difference to know that someone else is screaming alongside you. And that's the point of the incarnation. I can see that so clearly now. God came into the world and screamed alongside us. Interesting idea, that. The impetus for my family moving back to Kansas City was the sudden loss of my father-in-law. I've shared that here before. And in the midst of that sudden and deep grief, I, I remember just wanting to be helpful, whatever I needed to do. And as a minister, I had been through the funeral process quite a bit. I kind of knew how it generally was supposed to go. However, my wife and my in-laws had decided to do a green burial, which wasn't something I've ever experienced myself before. The idea was to bury the body as naturally in the ground as possible. Now, I wasn't against this by any means, but I took it upon myself as the son-in-law to kind of have that skeptical eye on everything just to make sure everyone was happy and that this process would be healing and meaningful to my family. So I remember sitting in the funeral home, reading over the agreement, when the last clause caught my eye. It read, Funeral attendees will be required to hand shovel the first third of the grave. And I remember walking over to the funeral director and asking about it. She didn't give me much of an answer. She just said, yeah, that's right. And honestly, this really bothered me from a pastoral standpoint. How could they require a grieving family to grab a shovel and bury their family member at such a raw moment in their lives? It felt wrong to me. Disrespectful, almost. But I knew I didn't want to push the matter too much. This seemed to be what they wanted. So I just checked with my mother-in-law just to be sure that she was okay with that, which she was. But I have to tell you, I was still pretty unsure. So the day of the burial comes. We have about 30 to 40 people there. And when it came time to bury my father-in-law, I witnessed my wife, my sister-in-law, and my mother-in-law be the first to grab the shovels. I noticed something happened in that moment. I saw a determination, a focus that I had not seen since his passing. Slowly, other family members got involved, doing the work, pitching in. Some of the children of the family got involved. Everyone seemed to be channeling their grief into this task, honoring my father-in-law and having this experience together. I have to tell you, church, it was one of, if not the most holiest moment of my life. In no time, I started to realize that we were going to certainly be filling the grave more than just a third. So I walked over to the funeral director and asked, Hey, 
is it all right if we just go ahead and fill it all the way? Twitchy replied, Bryce, in 10 years we've been doing this, I've never not had someone fill in a grave all the way. Something about this work just does something for folks. It's like the grief needs something to do in order to find wholeness again. Someone has to do it. And focusing on this and serving a loved one when laying them to rest, I don't know. I can't think of a better way to heal. Can you? My prayer for you is that no matter what you are going through, no matter what pain you experience, you're able to find a way to heal on your own time. That no matter how bad the disorientation feels, you can find your reorientation in the God who created you, claims you, and is right in the mess with you. And when it feels like you can't go on, I, can, I hope you can start to find healing by focusing on the next step. And the next one, and the next one, and the one after that, until the job is done. Amen.